up to the right, turning in, one up and looks at the other, they're both in the green, and it came too fast, the left went out over the line wide, so then the first half has ended. Alright, Michal, we will be back for a second half commentary later on, lots more to come, stay with us, but now we'll take a quick break. So you come here for two weeks, and uh, hello, I'm in bed most nights, you're on a high. Uh, if the phone rings at night and you're wondering what's at the end, if it doesn't have to ring twice, you just reach for it to ring, you may be in a deep sleep, but you're very conscious of the phone lying in bed, and you're conscious that you're on board the ship on the phone. I actually joined the ship just to work for the summer season, but as it turned out, I really enjoyed it and ended up staying. You meet a lot of people. Every day is totally different. I have all sorts of passengers, Continentals, Irish, whatever. Every day is different. We have a kitchen that works uh, 24 hours a day. Normally in hotels, we'd assume one was busy. If you're occasion for 100 or maybe 150 uh, covers per meal. In fact, it would be very busy. However, it's a different story here. Where if weather was good on the trip like this, where we would carry over 2,000 passengers on the round trip, we would probably do around 6,000 meals. We have to stay on the boat all the time. You're on this ship and you're thinking, I don't know where I am, I don't know where I'm going. There's not enough time off. We enjoy the work, we love doing the children's club, um, but basically the, um, the boredom factor is the thing that gets you the most. I've made very good friends here over the last few years. I've built up good relationships and it's sometimes a very good comfort when you're away from your family and away from home to have some friends on board. If you're having an off day or you have somebody to talk to or a good day and somebody to laugh with. After you returned, if you were off four weeks, uh, and uh, the ship has sailed from Ross Lair into a southwesterly gale, well, the first night out, you may not feel the best, but uh, you're just getting your sea legs back again. And once they're back again, you're back into your usual routines. My name is Martin Darcy. I'm Chief Officer of the St. Killian. One of the harder parts of the day is loading the vessel, where you're giving a, lo a loading list and uh, you have to fit all the trucks, cars, buses and whatever else that uh, might be loaded on onto the vessel. This. Uh, if everything was outside ready, it would be make life a lot easier, but it's not. So you have to uh, work your way and use what you have outside to make sure that you make the best use of the stove without losing too much space on your way around. And then with the trucks to make sure that uh, they fit in, because the trucks are getting larger now, and also to make sure the trucks are uh, well secured for the weather conditions that uh, would be possibly encountered on the route. And also it's... Uh, from a safety point of view, it's uh, important that it's loaded properly because otherwise you could have disastrous consequences if anything did happen. 
Your attention, please. Occupants from cabin 310, please contact the information desk. Thank you. My name is Roisin Hogan. I work at the information desk as a hostess. In the morning I start at 8 o'clock. I make announcements that various places are open on the ship for the passengers. I deal with passengers throughout the voyage, dealing with their queries and questions that they have, that they are comfortable on board. If they want, wish to upgrade their cabins, I can sell cabins to them. And questions about Ireland, giving them information where they can stay in Ireland. Ladies and gentlemen, Captain Gillespie speaking. I welcome you on board the St. Killian 2. First stage of our journey takes us south down towards Land's End, distance of 130 miles. As you're all probably aware, this is summer's day, longest day of the year, and for your interest, sunset scene will be at 21.35 or 25 minutes to 10. Do hope you have a pleasant voyage with us. Thank you. St. Killian II was built in Yugoslavia in um, 1972. Irish ferries acquired her in 1978 from of Sweden. In 1982 she was extended by 30 metres, they cut her in half and put a section in the middle of 30 metres and she's renamed St. Killian II. She's a ship of 157 metres long, 10,500 tonnes weight has cruising speed of 18 and a half knots. Well, I hail from Melville and the Bank of the Foyle. I come from a seafaring background, fifth generation to be exact. I, I always wanted to make, uh, see my career, even as far back as six years of age. So, after I left school, which is St. Columns College in Derry, I joined Irish Shipping as a cadet four years with them. And after I did my second mate's exam in 1964, I joined the Blue Funnel Line of Liverpool, a cargo passenger company running to the Far East. And I stayed with them for 12 odd years, rising up to the rank of second officer. And then I joined BP Tankers, so I was chief officer. I got married then in 1975, I joined the Irish Naval Service, got a commissioned officer as a lieutenant, um, fishery patrol around the coast of Ireland. And in 1978 I came in here to the Irish Ferries, our Irish Continental Line as we known then. As a second officer, I was promoted to chief officer within six months and then I was promoted to master here five years ago. A captain of a cargo ship or an oil tanker is more relaxed, he's more time at sea. Like you take the, the average uh, crude carrier at sea almost a month before they hit port. You may only have a crew of six, between 16 and 20 men. I'm master of ship with 122 of a crew, passenger certificate of 2000, ending up to 250 cars, 36 freight units. You're in port every day, 
quick turnaround of three hours. It's not a job. If you worried in this job, you would have to more or less call today. three departments on the ship. There's the deck department, where the chief officer's in charge of. The chief engineer, he's in charge of the engine room and all the mechanical and technical problems. And uh, the chief purser is in charge of the, the catering department. The chief officer is um, the uh, deputy master on board the ship. He's also got the same qualifications as me. My job in the ship is the chief officer, which leaves me responsible for an awful lot of uh, the everyday running of the ship, the uh, maintenance, safety gear, the safe loading and discharging of the vessel, and uh, watch keeping also. My staff consists of uh, basically a bosun, bosun's mate, six watch keepers, a day worker. There's also a sailor patrolling the ship, uh, a fire patrol during the hours of darkness, and we can't, one of the sailors is uh, detailed as master at arms, which would be you know, the ship's policeman. He keeps law and order at night if need to. He deals with any um, problems amongst passengers or crew during the night. Most of these men are very experienced, and some of them have been at sea longer than I have. The type of work that they, that they mainly do is to try and keep the outside of the ship looking well. They, they look after the safety gear. Uh, oiling and greasing and uh, also painting the vessel, cleaning decks and uh, helping load and lash and secure the trucks on board as well. The chief engineer is responsible for the engine room and all the technical, uh, technical areas on board the ship. Under him he would have a second engineer and two third engineers and two electrical engineers. Um, they work the same as the deck officers, they do water four hours in the engine room electrical engineers, more or less to go after the electrical equipment aboard the ship, fridges, generators, or any other things that's involved with electricity. Well, the chief purser is a different field. The chief purser is in charge of the passengers. My name is uh, Bernard Fay. My job now, if I was working in, in a hotel ashore, would be a hotel manager. He would have a shop purser, he looks after all the shops. He looks after the stocking of the shops. And uh, he'd have a catering purser who looks after the restaurant. He'd have an accounts purser who looks after all the financial end of it. He is in charge also of the, the cabin sales, and then he'd have a works purser who's in charge of the general cleaning of the accommodation. And out of that, he'd have about 83 of a staff made up from stewardesses, barmen, waiters. I started off uh, as a galley boy in the early, in the middle 50s and came up the ranks up to Chief Cook and shortly after I got my ticket at the age of 20 uh, I left to go ashore to learn the trade in a big way and uh, I learned, I worked out in Dublin airport for four years and then I worked in the uh, Intercontinental Hotel in Wilds Bridge for a while and I left there then after uh, two years and I came back to sea and from then, I, from there I worked up the the ranks again and uh, up through Chief Coop and 
then head chef on the first ship that the company had in uh, 1973 in uh, St. Patrick. And from there I worked uh, again up to, up to uh, catering purser, then counts purser, and then into chief purser. And I've been with the company from uh, day one, 1973. He has two girls with information, uh, two hostesses, both girls on the monitor of Cork. Now these girls are in direct contact with passengers, they're the only people in board really that have direct contact with passengers. I have worked as a hotel receptionist in Holland and there I dealt with many tour groups that came to the hotel. And sometimes my present job is very similar to that of the receptionist in the hotel. They can speak both French and German. I have to deal with all the problems. It can be tough for them in, in the summer when they're dealing with up to over, sometimes up to 1,600 passengers. I speak French as I lived in France for two and a half years, in Germany for about a year, so I understand a good bit of German. They really do come up against some awkward passengers uh, at times. I get good job satisfaction, I suppose, um, when I'm dealing with passengers' problems and I can solve them. and make their journey more pleasant. Over the years I, I've enjoyed my work on board uh, the ferries. To, we have improved over the years. Our standards have went from maybe a low one time to an all high uh, lately because we've been doing uh, very well in the, on the catering size of the ship. Now the catering purser is in charge of the dining room. In the dining room he would have a head waiter, probably up to nine, ten waiters. In the galley, like the ship's kitchen, he would have a chef and eight or nine cooks. And in the cafeteria, he would have about six of a staff. He's responsible for more or less laying out the food in the smuggler's board, the pre presentation. Yeah, responsible for the, the cooking, although the chef more or less is, is uh, a king of the kitchen, as, as in the hotel. My name is Peter Cullen. As far as my background, no, I've not been to sea all my life. Uh, in fact, I trained in the Hotel Russell, Dublin. Having done that, spent, I suppose, the next 15 years. Uh, some of us spent in Europe, and finally back to Great Britain and then to Ireland. Then, to a colleague of mine having worked, who had worked on a ferry, I decided, well, I'd try a job like that sometime. And I was fortunate enough to uh, apply at the right time. And here I am today, uh, nine years later. I do enjoy working uh, on the ferry, mainly because when I took this job, I found it was quite a challenge. Uh, we carry 15, 1,600 passengers, and it's a 22-hour trip. And during that time, uh, practically everybody eats at one stage or one time or other. The challenge is not a challenge any longer. As regards my staff, I'm very well staffed, and it's a good team effort all round. Ash, it was our only girl for breakfast, dinner, and for supper. The bread was as hard as any brass, and the meat was as salty as Lot's wife. Ah, get along, boys, get along, and you boys are happy. A staff of ten in the galley here on the Killian. Two of those chefs would be responsible for the crew menus and the cooking of the crew foods. 
Derek Day would begin at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, when he would, pre would prepare breakfast for both crew and passengers. I also have a night chef who is directly responsible to myself for the preparation of cold foods like various salads for the next day. Also, uh, the boning of meats, turkeys, poultry, etc. Portion of fish. His day begins, or in fact, his time begins at half past 11 at night time and he will work through until 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, I also have two chefs on the hot area of the galley, which they are responsible for preparing foods for the smorgasbord. board. And two other members who work in the cold galley area. Their job is preparing a cold buffet, which is served in the restaurant, and the various other salads and confection that goes with that. There's also uh, two cafeteria cooks who are responsible again for supplying the cafeteria with food which is practically cooked to order all the time. It's a 24 hour operation that has to be preparation done ahead of time so that you never fall back. It's planning ahead all the time. Our menu and our food offered in the restaurant of course is uh, Irish. Uh, we'd like to introduce Irish cuisine to the foreign passengers who are coming on holidays in Ireland. But having said that, we are also catered for the French, Swiss, German and Italian. Uh, we tend to put on from time to time a dish from each of those uh, four countries that I mentioned. All our meats, of course, are Irish. Uh, this pleases the partner very much because the quality of uh, Irish meats very, very high, very good. And of course, they're very impressed. Our fish, of course, is Irish also. Uh, it's cooked in their own traditional way. There again, our sauces for that are French. My name is Kim Cassidy and I am works presser on the St. Killian. I would be in charge of the cafeteria and the general cleaning of all the passenger areas in the ship. I originally started the ship as a stewardess, and which that would entail cabins, making up cabins and greeting passengers when they board and I worked my way up from um, stewardess I became chief stewardess I was a cashier I actually worked in every area in the ship from crew mess to officers mess and at the end of the day I got promoted to purser we would be um, the first Irish contact some passengers would meet you know from the continent I'm the first person that the car passengers meet coming on board. Particularly on the French side, it's the first uh, Irish person that they will meet. So I think it's important that a good impression is given to the passengers. Entertainment on board, fairly modernised cinema with up-to-date uh, movies. Seats about 100 people. And then for the children, young, younger children, we have the uh, children's room. In, in the Crystal Lounge, or the bar, where the parents can have a drink and the children can go up and, and play around and keep themselves generally occupied and out of the way of their parents. And then we do hire two entertainers who are employed in the Disco Lounge. My name's Lucy Harris. And my name's Tony Harris. We're the ship's entertainment officers. They come on about half eight at night and they provide music for and song, uh, 
more or less for everyone's taste. And that goes on to about half eleven at night, and then the Madonna Live Disco for the younger generations. And that goes on to about half past one in the morning. We're a boy-girl duo, and um, we're playing many different types of material, ranging from jazz to country, uh, pop, soul, anything really, middle of the road. Um, I play keyboards and guitar, and um, I use sequence backing tapes that I actually record myself. And I do the singing and percussion. Well, we've been working together three years. Um, we live in London, and originally we were working in wine bars in London. But then we realised we could make more money by going abroad and working abroad. So we've been off to Turkey, and now we're working on this ship, and then we're going off to the Middle East for five months, working in the Hilton Hotel. Well, in the bar we get lots of different types of passengers. I mean, we do get French and, and German and Irish, but I haven't really noticed much of a difference between the countries so much. It's more that um, you have old... The, the families come in and they're lovely because they'll get up and dance to the music that we actually play ourselves. Um, but when we have lots of the teenagers and the backpackers, they can be really rude and they'll come up and they'll demand to hear the disco. They don't want to hear the live music at all. So we get quite irritated by them. And we have to... We have to sort of bite our lips and just sort of say, okay, yes, we'll play the disco, and then sort of we have to we play the disco for them basically. Don't we? we did have a funny little incident because on the first day that we had to do the children's club, we'd been issued lots of little sweets and chocolates, and we gave these out as prizes. But it happened to be on a day when the weather was particularly rough. So after we'd given out these chocolates and prizes, all the children went off and ate them. Within about ten minutes, we could see all the little children just throwing up the chocolates on the floor of the bar, much to our amusement and much to the staff's horror. <laughs> <laughs> very um, creates a close-knit community and a lot of the crew who socialize together on the ship would socialize at home all the time when they'd go on holidays or whatever together very close romance is blossoming here as well from time to time um, there has been marriages some good marriages out of it um, it's nice to see nice to see young couples getting together making a go of life A lot of the crew have actually got married, I'd say a fair few couples, and if they can work and play together, I suppose it is a good basis for marriage because, I mean, they say work and play don't mix, but it seems to on the ship. The majority of the crew work two weeks on, two weeks off. The temporary staff work two weeks on and one week off. Now, the two weeks that they're on, they are actually on. Although they work a 12-hour day, they're on call all the time for safety. It's a long two weeks when they're on board. Uh, working uh, on a ship and uh, coming into uh, the tenth day uh, you, you can see it creeping in that they are getting tired and they're getting anxious to get home and uh, it's then that you, you have to try and boost their uh, morale like, and 
and keep them going for the last four days. I start work at four o'clock in the morning to do four to eight bridge watch, then uh, breakfast eight to nine, and then from nine o'clock uh, I do paperwork and have a look around the ship with the boats and, and uh, see what work needs to be done. Then I may get uh, two hours sleep before arrival in Rosslare or La Havre, and uh, that usually entails getting up about one o'clock and then working straight through until nine o'clock that night or after I finish my rounds that night and then back wash, shower, whatever and then back into a routine of to bed and up again. We have to stay on the boat all the time whereas the rest of the crew they work on a two weeks on two weeks off sort of basis but we're on this boat all the time we have to do seven days a week so it's very hard work and we just get maybe a couple of hours off in France but it's not long enough to actually enjoy being in France because basically your couple of hours off are spent in the port so you're not really seeing the beautiful French countryside. After the ship sails at five o'clock the majority of the crew are free until the following morning. They make their own entertainment. We have something to eat, play cards and generally talk about our day. Then of course we also allow them to use the cinema on the ship, um, because of the, the time they're on board the ship, long hours they've been on board, uh, we, we allow them to, to see the films on the ship, so that, that passes away the night for them. As well as being one of the entertainers, I'm also a qualified aerobics instructor, so I've been having good fun um, teaching aerobics to some of the crew, and we do this up in the bar when the ship's docked and all the passengers have got off, so no one can watch us. From a dock in Cherbourg at 10 o'clock, most of the crew finish at 12 o'clock, so we have a longer break as we don't sail till that evening, half a seven. So a lot of the crew go up town and we shop in the French supermarkets. We have something to eat, taste some French food, some French coffee. Um, we go to the beach if it's a real warm day, or some crew members may just lie out on deck. Uh, people who like walks, there's some lovely places to walk around Cherbourg. In, in the wintertime, uh, on Monday nights, we lie over in La Havre, which is great because we'd usually go uptown for a meal, maybe six of the crew or whatever, go to various different restaurants, French, Italian, whatever, which is nice to pass the time, and then I'll go shopping. There's great supermarkets, you know, stay open quite late. So it's nice to, to get break the two weeks and go for dinner. When the company recruit for catering staff, which is normally around the 1st of March, they look for... Um, people who have catering experience, the hostesses must have languages, and you'll find that quite a few of the stewardesses in general have a language and an understanding of uh, French or German, which is, which is very helpful to passengers. And the company also run French classes in the winter time. Delays, particularly in the winter time, due to bad weather. Um, and sometimes uh, we have mechanical problems. It's important to keep passengers informed as to what's happening, how long we're going to be delayed, what our intentions are, like going for shelter, etc., and making things as comfortable for them as possible. We had a, a delay for, I think, over a week. Each ship uh, leaving La Havre was a couple of hours behind schedule because they had to wait behind to pick up the orders past it. The, the truck drivers in France were on strike, so they decided to block the roads so the passengers couldn't get through the blockade. Winter time, you could go to sea for a fortnight and have gales for the full fortnight, running late, running for shelter, getting into port after 36 hours after getting the 
living daylights hammered out of you and having to put back out to sea again into the same weather three hours later. It can be quite strenuous and it can be quite uncomfortable too, especially for passengers that are not used to this, are not used to bad weather. The restaurant uh, is the big business and the cafeteria and that. Now, if we get bad weather, it affects that right away. We, we lose a, a hell of a lot if we don't make money. In bad weather, we do try and keep the ship as comfortable as possible. We head into the wind, make a lee. Um, it might take us a couple of hours longer to get there, slow the ship down, even as the case may be. But uh, when the worst comes to the worst, we run for shelter. We do carry ample food, um, I say for a week's supply, so there's never, there's never any threat of running out of food or fresh water for that matter. Most of our food is bought in Ireland. Uh, meats, vegetables, uh, a hell of a lot of our stuff uh, is bought in Ireland. In France we buy our wine because France is famous for wine. Uh, we buy our cheeses in France. We also buy a, a amount of cheeses in Ireland, but France again is known for its cheeses. Uh, fresh vegetables we buy in France. So we have a day-to-day uh, uh, delivery of fresh veg, uh, bread, cheeses, things like that that's done on a day-to-day basis. Well, we've been very lucky because we haven't actually suffered from seasickness. Every now and then we, we get a bit sort of under the weather, but not actually sick. Yeah, but I, d- I definitely think it's a, a psychological thing, you know. You come on the boat and if you think, oh, God, I'm on a boat, you're going to start feeling ill. It, it's definitely trying to keep your mind in order and um, fight that, th- that fear, fear of the, um, the sickness, really. It's a thing that people don't really understand. They, they seem to think that when people on a ship that they're super people and they, they don't get seasick. But they actually do, but they have to just get over it and get on with the job. Then we have the problem of the passenger that gets sick and uh, maybe very sick, maybe might have to be airlifted off the ship off Land's End. And if not, uh, you can be up, you can be up all night with them and maybe. We're, we are trained in uh, first aid, uh, myself and the horses, and uh, we do our best to uh, help the pastures in any way we can when they're sick like that. But we do carry uh, all the medical supplies that we need on board. And uh, we carry uh, what we call the, the, the heavy stuff uh, that would be uh, antibiotics and uh, morphine and that. But that's kept away in a safe on the ship. Like, and uh, if, if it has to be used, then the, the doctor will ask for it and it'll be used. Like, uh, we, we can give, uh, of course, we can give injections ourselves if, if we want to. We, we were trained for that. That's part of our training. But we not, would get instructions from Land's End or off, off Land's End from the medical people ashore exactly what to do. And on a few occasions, we've had people die on board the ship through heart attacks and things like that. And on one occasion, uh, we had uh, four doctors on board. Uh, we had an American. We had uh, a doctor from the north, we had uh, a doctor from Waterford, and we had a doctor from Germany. So we couldn't do any better than that, and we still lost. When I hear about ferry accidents, they don't really scare me personally, but I know my family worries um, because I'm on a ship also, and they would think this may happen, but um, I never think about it. I think the reporting to them should be published fairly quickly uh, because uh, it is is desirable to know the cause of the accident quickly in case there's anything to be learned from it. Our boat drill is very strict, our fire drill is very strict. Uh, Both of those drills we attend once a week when we're at sea.
when I'm relieved after two weeks, I go I go home. Actually, it takes me two days to unwind, to come from the high that's been up in the morning to get down back to back into reality. I'm, of course, I'm married with three children. I play a bit of golf, a bit of gardening, do a lot of walking, and I live a quiet life in general. Go walking across mountains and that's which uh, I like doing. I like to go out and party. I love to go to the nightclubs. Live it up, actually, is what I love to do. Um, I love to go sailing, which really is totally different than being on the ferry. It's you're outdoor and it's you might be relaxing, you might be racing, you want to just lie out on deck. You don't have to worry about a passenger or a crew member. It's just a nice change. I uh, follow yeah, football. Going back to my younger days, I had a trial for the school by international team with uh, very famous people. Turned out to be very famous people after uh, Jackie Hennessy and Johnny Giles. And it's from then I, I become very interested in football. So that, that's what I do most of my time. It's spent either watching football or going to. But it's all involved in football. That's a radar. Yeah, we have three radar sets. Um, this is the one we work in on harbour duties. Each the that's the six mile range at the moment. That's the harbour entrance. That's the, the the line the ship is. That that ship there. That the one there. And that there's small. Uh, that's the land there. That's the breakwater we're going through. These are all small ships, small yachts. That's that big ship there. You can see that. So we're taking a course of one five zero. One five one five zero. Now we are ready for you. Yeah. 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 Passing the breakwater in about 10 minutes' time. Unfortunately, this morning the pilot had to put two pilots on board, two deep sea ships. It held us up about 10 minutes, but not to worry. The pilots in Sherbrooke we know quite well. There's only three of them. The more we work, work as a team, we know them all in the first name term, so it's, uh, it's, uh, we have a pretty good relationship with them. Coming up the ladder, right? Pilot board! Pilots on board. Sorry, thank you very much. Mr. Peter, how are you? Sorry to late uh, you, but... Yeah, well, the things happen, yeah. It's hard to port there now, you're heading into oh, yeah. the harbour, which is on feeling. Oh, OK. But not too bad. I give... Uh, uh, I give 11.45 in the first English. Yeah. That's right, you were a little bit earlier, and they were a little bit late. Yeah, fine, OK. Midships, midships. I am, my name is Gilles Piotteri and uh, I'm a Sherbrooke pi pilot for ships in and out, over 50 meters length. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the captain speaking once again. We have the pilot on board and we'll be shortly entering Cherbourg Harbour. And we expect to be tied up at a quarter to eleven, which is a quarter to twelve French time. Safe driving when you disembark this morning. Thank you. I, I will take over from the pilot and uh, I, I will maneuver the ship onto the berth. After working deep sea, where you were away for six to eight months at a time, uh, you can have a more regular lifestyle where you can have a family life. I like this job as I'm meeting very many kinds of people. And also the advantage to the job is that I have two weeks off and I can plan some part of my life with that time off and do some traveling. To me, it's basically a job. A lot of people are killed in the work. I'm a motorist myself, and very often, in fact, every other day, one reads in the paper of horrific motoring accidents. This results quite a lot in death. But there again, shipping accidents are very uh, few and far between. Five feet. Five feet. Three feet. Three feet. Okay, check on your backspin. Check on it. Check, check, check. This is a job that you uh, either like or you, or you dislike. But if you like it, you, you work. You don't mind the hours. But if you don't like it, well, it's better that you're not here at all. Like. Okay, the rack will be lowered now. Joining the ship, which I join once every month, is quite upsetting for me. I find I would be upset maybe a day or two beforehand. But once I join the ship and I'm on about an hour, I kind of forget about home life. It's a totally different lifestyle. It's just different. It's Monday morning blues, but the only fortunate thing, it comes only once a month. Just take up the stack on the breast line. Yeah, sure, John. I thought of coming to sea when I was six years of age. I've never thought of doing anything else. And I love my job. And I must say, since I was promoted to captain, I even love it more. I, the sea's in my blood, in my system. And I suppose I dread the day when I retire from, from sea life. In position, OK. Make faster brushbang uh, then. Roger. OK, Frank. Yeah, in position. Right, she's alongside now. Yeah, you're alongside for now. That's okay, right? Yeah. Okay, I can take her in. Uh, 
Yeah, sure, it's okay. I'll just check. Uh, Irish Ferry Space, thank you. Uh, good morning. We can discharge? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, discharge now.